Hello everyone and welcome back to the Bundesliga show brought to you by Over the Bar. Uh, we're back here after the uh, the winter break for our first match day review of the Rook Runda, so the second half of the season, match day 18 review coming in uh, hot and obviously we've got our uh, weekly talking point which we'll be going through and uh, a new little segment that we'll be bringing, bringing to you for the first time. So hopefully if you guys enjoy that uh, Please do let us know uh, and, of course, get involved in the live chat on YouTube. Mark, how are you doing this evening? Yeah, it's all good. I've got my uh, Tasmania Berlin top on as well today. Of course, so, yeah, of course. Of course. In preparation for... <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's all good. Yeah, enjoyed another good weekend of Bundesliga action. So, yeah. Exactly, good man. And, of course, our brilliant Bundesliga tops, or, well, Tasmania Berlin tops are... <laughs> Provided to us by the brilliant Bundesliga boxes who we are in partnership with this season. Um, so if you want to go check them out, um, I think they've got a new set of um, boxes coming out fairly soon. So check them out on Twitter. Obviously, just search Bundesliga boxes or go visit their website and you can get yourself a fantastic uh, mystery German football T-shirt. Uh, it can be anything from... Bundesliga level all the way down to the kind of regional leaguers and you get some absolute gems so go check them out uh, of course if you like the show if you like this video give it a like on YouTube come along and you know have enjoy a bit of chat with us give us some banter if, if you agree with our thoughts or not uh, if you're watching on Twitter just pop across and you know say hello obviously you can't really do that on twitter but really encourage you to come watch on youtube because it helps us a little bit more um in in that regard and of course if you enjoy what me and mark are doing in general uh please do click the red button and get yourself subscribed to the channel um so let's let's crack on with the show then mark so we'll throw it over to you and let's go through uh let's go through the results of another excellent weekend of Bundesliga action yeah, for sure. Absolutely. We've missed it for the three weeks it's been away. But yeah, absolutely brilliant weekend. Starting on Friday night, we had the, the leaders, the halfway leaders humbled at home by Gladbach 2-1. Moving on to Saturday, we had RB Leipzig smashing lighter Mainz 4-1 at home. Then, yeah, an entertaining 2 all draw between Leverkusen and Union Berlin. Then also another entertaining two-all draw between Freiburg and Bielefeld, where Bielefeld came from 2-0 down in that one to get a draw. Yeah, Hoffenheim continued their brilliant form to go third. They won 3-1 over Strugglers Augsburg. Then, yeah, Rory's boys, you needed a win in this one, didn't you? But you didn't get it. It was probably the worst game by quite a distance of the weekend. This one, a nil-nil draw away in third, but it's still a point game. You know, you've got to take it the positive. Then, yeah, what a thriller this was. 3-2 for Dortmund away in Frankfurt. Now, moving on to Sunday, and the games continued to come thick and fast. Yeah, FC Cologne, they had a great first half of the season. They continued that with a 3 one winner her to Berlin and then uh, yeah the one nil specialist Bochum got another one nil win over Billy Good I like that word don't have to describe teams that are struggling but yeah very much a Billy Good uh, Wolfsburg side one nil so yeah let's move straight into the featured four this week so yeah I mean it, it was really hard to choose enough games this week I mean we were, we were considering changing it to a five again this time but yeah <laughs> 
I think because Man United are playing, we decided to keep it to a four. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, let, let's start off with one of those two-all draws, entertaining two-all draws. It was between Leverkusen and Union Berlin. Obviously, coming into this game, both sides, I think Leverkusen were fourth going into this game and Union was sixth. So it's very much like a Champions League slash European places derby this one really you know obviously the big team news before the game our knee has gone to the africa cup of nations so he was missing for union and then obviously leverkusen's central defense had the heart ripped out of it so to speak losing both tap sober uh, to yeah. the afcon and also kusanu as well who's yeah. kind of those two have kind of rotated to start alongside tar for most of the season but mm -hmm. tar obviously still played but yeah, I mean, obviously in the, the early stages of this game, Leverkusen came out absolutely firing, didn't they? I mean, they created three or four good chances in the first 10 minutes, really. Jonathan Tarr headed wide from a good position. Uh, that man, Patrick Schick, one of the, the players of the season so far, he had a couple of good efforts, which were well saved by Luter. But then, yeah, the breakthrough did eventually come in favour of Leverkusen. It was some good build-up play between Paulinho and Diaby. Then Luter kind of, he did quite well, actually, to kind of palm the ball wide. But then that man, Patrick, it, for me, this was like a kind of classic form players finish, really, this one. He made it look a lot easier than it was. And he just kind of yeah. side-footed it really, really hard into the top corner. It made it look easy, but it's not actually an easy finish, that one, to get it past the keeper and some of the defenders on the line as well. So that was 1-0 for Leverkusen. And then, yeah, the chances kept coming for the home side, really. Demir Bay had a couple of good efforts, well saved by Luter, and had a shot narrowly over. But then, yeah, pretty much with their first attack of the match, right on the stroke of halftime, Union got themselves level. Like in classic Union style, really, they never give up, do they, that side? And it was actually, it was a good shot from outside the box, which, I don't know, when I first saw it, I thought uh, Hedetsky could have done a bit better with it, but actually it was quite a good save, yeah. yeah then he, he made another really good save, actually, from Promo, who, like, who uh, followed up the rebound, and then eventually Promo did knock home the equaliser for one all. I think, to be honest, it was kind of lazy, lackadaisical defending, really, from the home side. I mean, they could have reacted a little bit faster. It, as I said, uh, Hedaski did make two saves before Pernal did eventually find the equaliser. But, yeah, right on the stroke half time, with the first real moment of danger of the match, Uni on a level. And then uh, I think the second half was also quite topsy-turvy, Rory. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, so, obviously, in the second half, early on in the game, um, that man, Max Cruiser, having an impact, um, brought down a, a cross, used to, um, some good footwork to get off a cross slash shot, um, not a bit of both. And, and Fromel was there again to, I think he had four Bundesliga goals before the weekend and then, as you know, kind of significantly increased his tally all the way up to the... The, the massive number of six. Um, so he's in there in the right place to kind of tap home and redirect the shot. So that's 2-1 and and the comeback is complete. Uh, very impressive um, as per usual from Union. You, they're never out of the game and, you know, regardless of the scoreline, you know, they're always really strong. Um, so that, that was very impressive by them to come back uh, and get a 2-1 lead at the time. Uh, it almost went to 3-1. I think Max, again, Max Cruiser um, hit the bar um, you know, uh, beating Luce, uh, sorry, beating Haradecki in net, uh, in nets, and um, obviously Leverkusen again started to kind of push forward a bit more, and and uh, the big man Jonathan Tarr having an impact 
at the other end of the pitch. Uh, the poster defending is up there, and he got on the end of a lovely cutback cross from Derabi um, and powered home a header to make it 2-2 past Luter. And, and that's obviously, with you know, with not much time left, you think they'd use that uh, momentum to go forward and maybe get themselves a winner. But it was actually Union who almost stole it right at the death, I think, um, through... Substitute uh, Oscar Pixer, I think that's how you say his name. Yeah. I think he's a former Leverkusen player as well. Uh, they went forward on the break and he hit the post right at the end. So they could have, you know, could have easily stolen all three points, Union. And uh, yeah, they're, they're a very entertaining team to watch, Union. Uh, very competitive. They have their, you know, their style and way of playing. Um, but I think they're quite an adaptable team as well. Uh, obviously, we've seen them add a bit more pace and power through the likes of Awan Yi and, and Geraldo Becker and people like that add a bit of a different dimension. So maybe they had to change up on this occasion uh, without Awan Yi and they'll have to do that as long as he's away. Um, but they'll still be very competitive. Um, Leverkusen, um, they'll still kind of blow hot and cold, I suspect, throughout the season. Uh, they'll be strong, strong at home, of course, and there'll be a constant threat with Patrick Schick um scoring hat you know hats full of goals and you know who's to say that he you know can't compete with Lewandowski uh this season I think he's quite uh, four goals clear of Haaland in second place yeah. as well or something like that so he, he's having a superb season uh carrying on that Euro 2020 form or Euro 2021 form and so he's looking really strong uh, it's just whether Leverkusen can tighten up at the back to push um, or to claim the top four spot because it's going to be incredibly competitive with the likes of Hoffenheim, Frankfurt, and, and anyone else who's in who's in the ring uh, for that top four spot. So very entertaining game, and uh, I think a draw is probably about a fair result. Yeah, I think obviously a little bit frustrating for Leverkusen after that first half because they really were dominant in that first half. You know, I thought that was as good as we've seen them for probably a couple of months, really. But I mean, Union are a very, very tough opponent, even without the star player Awanidi. You know, and as they showed in this game, before you knew it, you know, a few minutes into the second half, they're in front after being battered for large parts of the first half. So you, you know what kind of competitors they are. As for the table, yeah, I mean, it leaves them. Um, Leverkusen have actually slipped out that top four now into fifth and Union are down to seventh, but they're still well within the, you know, they're only two points, uh, Union away from that fourth spot and Leverkusen mm -hmm. are only one point. So, you know, it's uh, both sides will probably feel as though they could have won this game because obviously Union did get within five minutes of the three points in the end. But I mean, I think both will be relatively happy with the point really in the end from this game. Okay, yeah, so let's uh, swiftly move on to game three. So, yeah, this was a really, really entertaining. It was a Sunday afternoon classic, really, this. You know, there could have been a lot more goals in this game. I mean, it was the, those boys, really, two sides that went into the game in form as well, because Hertha Berlin, obviously, their last game before the, the winter break was a 3-2 win at home to Dortmund as well. So they were really uh, buoyant. Obviously, the, the number of fans was reduced, which could have helped as well. I think there were only 3,500 in the sit in the Olympia Stadium, which is... I mean, an absolute, it's pointless even having anyone in, really, to be honest with you, because I think the stadium's like 80,000, three and a half thousand is like barely even anyone, really, you know. But, and also, I've got to be honest, the pitch wasn't very good as well. It, it does right. get very cold in Berlin. 
very, very cold. I think probably the coldest city in Germany, and it's it showed in this game. I think they've obviously had a bit of bad weather over Christmas and the New Year, and the pitch wasn't in the finest of fettle, so to speak, going into this one. But didn't seem to affect Cologne at all, did it? Because they came flying out of the blocks. They had a couple of chances uh, from, obviously, um, Modest, who always is a danger, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a header narrowly wide, I think, from Duda as well. It yeah. just went wide. Very, very... Some would say he should have scored, but it was a bit unlucky as well, really, because it looked in all the way, really, and it just kind of dipped wide just before it was going to go in. But it didn't take too long before the uh, the goal did come as well, on 24 minutes, I think it was. The cross from the, uh, the left flank coming straight in, put it on a plate, really, for... Uh, the brilliant Modest, who doesn't miss those, does he? For his 56th goal, Bundesliga goal for Cologne, which is like a massive number, not this season, but overall during his time for the club. So he obviously is a club legend there. And then just a few minutes later, it got even better for Cologne, didn't it? I mean, this one was, you could say it was a maybe slightly scrappy defending really from Hertha, but it came out to Duda and he kind of hit it through the bodies. Again, this is another one of those should Shvalov have done better with it. I don't know really, because he didn't really see it coming through, mm-hmm. but it kind of went through his grasp and into the back of the net for 2-0. On the replay as well, one thing I want to mention is that I know that Hertha Berlin have had a few goals disallowed for similar situations in recent weeks. Yeah. There were two Cologne players standing what could have been deemed in the way of Shvalov as well in offside positions. Hertha have been done twice with these, actually. But in this case, Cologne got away with it. So, you know, that's one of those really, isn't it, where you got to question the rules have got to be a bit clearer on that for me, really. Where When is someone in? Uh, for me, I'd just give all of those goals. I think it was correct to give it, but obviously Hertha will be cheesed off because they were done a couple of times in the back end of the, the first half of the season with those kind of uh, efforts, you know. But then obviously it's also worth mentioning, really the only big chance for Hertha in the first half was Mao Leader, who came in for... Jovetic, who was injured, and Belfodil, who failed a COVID test, mm-hmm. yeah, which was unfortunate, obviously, for Hertha. But, yeah, he went one-on-one. I think it was actually at nil-nil as well. Yeah, it was. Probably the yeah. only chance, really, that Hertha had in that first half. But Maulida went one-on-one. It was actually a really, really good save from... Actually, uh, Timo Horn is not starting as well at the moment, nope. incredibly. Yeah, the, the young goalkeeper, what, what's his name again now? Schwab, I think. Schwab. Yeah, Schwaber. Schwaber. Wow. Yeah, the, the young keeper, he did really, really well in the first half of the season. Yeah. Brilliant again to save a nil-nil. But yeah, Cologne did go in at 2-0 up at half-time. And you're just thinking they're going to coast through the second half. But it didn't turn out like that, did it, Rory? No, obviously Hertha came out with a bit more purpose and, a, you know, probably a kind of we've got nothing to lose kind of attitude, a 2-0 down at home, you know, we have to produce something even if there's only 3,500 fans being able to watch us. It's, you know, it, it's probably more, I presume, than most states in uh, Germany mm-hmm. are allowed to have in mm-hmm. terms of fans. Obviously, Bavaria um, is basically none or definitely mm-hmm. Uh, no, fans. no, absolutely none in Bavaria. Yeah. I think I think none in most of Germany now, yeah. unfortunately. Well, you know, three thousand five hundreds, you know, something to get you going, I guess, as a as a player. So they came out a lot more intent. Um, I think uh, Peter Pekarik had an early chance for Hertha and, and forced the, the young keeper for Cole Schwaber into action. Um, eventually, before they got back into the game, quite a odd scenario in fact that Derida whipped in a very good ball into the area uh, from far out. It's just one of those ones where no one gets a lick onto it, no one quite gets enough on it 
the keeper's not sure about it and it just ends up curling all the way in. So obviously it did that um, and gave Hertha a bit of a lifeline. Um, and I think, uh, again, from there, you kind of expect the team that's just scored the goal to kind of really press forward. And, you know, they had a bit of pressure, but unfortunately, uh, you know, Colm were strong enough to see it through. Uh, the, and then the the result was almost put into, into no doubt from the fact that... Um, I think it was Nicholas Stark produced an incredibly terrible back pass um, for Cholou um, in net. And I think he just about kept it out by saving it. But obviously, it was a back pass, so he saved it with his hands. So the referee gave an indirect free kick, basically on the six-yard six line thing, more or less. Um, so they teed it up. Uh, Mark Oot had the shot, and the keeper saved it very well from basically no, you know, no distance. So they did well to keep it 2-1 from there. Uh, time's going on and they're trying to press for a final goal and then eventually um, the, another mistake comes in the fact that Dorida slips and, and lets through substitute Tilleman and he races clear and, and finishes well um, when he rounded the keeper to make it 3-1. And that was that. Uh, obviously, uh, yeah, FC um, go marching on. Uh, they, they're they looking, you know, uh, completely different outfit of course they do to last season amazing turnaround uh, in the short time that uh Baumgart, the head coach has been at the club so impressive uh, i love the way that he manages the club so much enthusiasm so eccentric like we were talking about the other day mark um yeah. so that's all very impressive um bringing back modest to the club has has ended up being a masterstroke hasn't it he's you know given them a different dimension, along with Mark Oot, who, who's done really well upon his return to the club. Um, you know, and, and the intensity is there and they believe in what they're doing. Um, and, you know, obviously the, the table doesn't lie. They're sitting in sixth place right now. Um, positive goal difference. Um, and, you know, can can they hold on? Can they keep on going uh, and finish off in, in the top seven or, or better? Who knows? So, you know, all, all credit to them. They look a real, real unit right now. And, you know, any team that's playing them will have to play out their skins to, to get three points. And unfortunately for Hertha, uh, they weren't able to replicate the same kind of intensity, a couple mistakes, a couple key players missing. Obviously, as you mentioned, Mark, no Jovic or Bedford deal, big, big kind of uh, loss, especially when you've got uh, our favourite, Dave Selke, starting up front. <laughs> um so, yeah, a couple of things transpired against Hertha. I don't think they'll be overly worried, only, well, as long as they kind of bounce back pretty quick. Um, so, yeah, interesting game and, and a really well-deserved away win. Yeah, I mean, obviously also Piotek as well, who probably would have come into the game. He ended up joining Fiorentina just yeah. a few days before on loan. So, yeah, I think it was one of them, really, you know, where just didn't, up front especially. I mean, I think new coach Corkut knows really that that, that partnership of Selke and Maulida doesn't really work and probably they were probably before this week fourth and fifth choice in all honesty in those positions so you know I mean it was one of them really fair to I don't think they were terrible in the game but Cologne were definitely better and deserved deserved the win yeah but as you say I mean what what Baumgart has done at that club you know and the German commentator called him the the Baumeister yeah which I thought was a, a nice name you know it means like the the master you know it's like and he is he's like an absolutely class manager he's just it's almost like he's the perfect manager for that club because you know Cologne is known to be like a kind of eccentric city a little bit within Germany and he's like 
the, the, the fans love him. The players clearly love him as well, which is just something that was completely missing last season, wasn't it? And yeah. I just think it's great to see Cologne flying. It's good for the Bundesliga as well to yeah. see such Absolutely. a big club with some of the best fans in the best supported league in the world, really, as well. So you can just see what level of fans that Cologne have. And it's great to see them. You never know, we might see them in Europe again. I remember last time they were in Europe, they uh, took about 12,000 to Arsenal or something like that in the Europa League. It's a yeah. massive club with amazing support. And it's great to see them flying high this season under the brilliant Baumgart, that's for sure. Yeah, very much agree. Um, so before we go on to the the second half of our countdown, uh, we thought this would be a good time to kind of break up uh, the football chat and kind of uh, introduce this new segment that we've thought of. Um, so it's a bit of fun uh, and it's obviously a bit more of a nod to our, uh, obviously the German side of things. We're, you know, kind of, we want to share with everyone the the brilliant kind of phrases and, uh, and terms that are used in the Bundesliga, much like we've kind of been using the word Rook Runder a lot more in the last few weeks, which obviously is the, is the phrase, the terminology given uh, to the second half of the season, whereas obviously in England we just say the second half of the season, you know. <laughs> so, it's, you know, so it's quite nice to have these these phrases and things like that. So we're basically going to do uh, from, from henceforth a bit of a, a Bundesliga glossary, A to Z. Um, so we'll do it on our Monday night show uh, and we'll kind of introduce um, you to a new phrase every week that hopefully you can use... Um, you know, in around when you're talking about football, if you're talking about the Bundesliga, if you want to tweet about things, you can use these words and, you know, throw them in and really impress your friends, your colleagues or, or whoever you might be using it with. So, of course, we are going to start with the letter A. And uh, the, the phrase that we're going to use this week is, and I'll try and pronounce it first, then Mark can can kind of yeah, either you know shame me or say well done for my pronunciation so it's angst gegner uh so that's a very basic way of kind of pronouncing it uh which basically transfers or translates as the bogey team so mark that you kind of said that to me over our chat that that kind of refers how does that kind of exactly translate in German? Yeah, like like German is quite a literal language. So often what they do with these kind of terms is they put two words together, which is literally what they've done with this word. Like to an English speaker, it looks almost unpronounceable, really, doesn't it? But like as with many words in German, you just have to break it into two words. So you've got angst, which is a word that we also use in English, obviously, as well, which means kind of like nerves or fear. Yeah. Yeah, it actually comes from the German language, that word, and it means the mm -hmm. same in German. And then Gegner is opponent, literally. Right. So it means like fear or nervous opponent. Yeah, so you can kind of get what it means, really. You know, a team that they don't like playing or they get nervous against or that they fear playing, you know. So, yeah, it's quite an interesting word, really. Yeah, but it's well, definitely yeah. applicable. Sorry. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, very applicable to one of the, the games mm -hmm. that we're going to cover in a minute, actually, yeah. which is kind of perfectly leads us on to uh, um, our, our second half of our countdown. So you can very much apply Angst Gegner to, uh, to one of these games that we're covering. So, yeah, that, that's our first one of, uh, of this season. Let us know if you, uh, if you think this is a, is a cool idea. Um, try, and, try and use it if you can do it in, in the next few weeks, if you can think of, uh, of some you know, appropriate matches to use it. So there you go. Bundesliga glossary, A to Z. 
first outing. So very good. Um, Mark, well, what do you reckon about my pronunciation? Do I need a bit yeah, more? Yeah, I think it was a good start. I'll give you seven out of ten. Right, back over to you, Mark. Let's count down two and one. So, yeah, let's talk about the Angst Gegner game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was that game, wasn't it, between FC Bayern Munich and Gladbach? Yeah, I mean, what, what a statistic it is really about uh, Gladbach's record in uh, Munich, you know, not, not just in Munich, against Bayern in general, you know. Yeah. I mean, if you look at this season alone, you know, the first game of the season, they get that one-all draw, which, again, we talked about it a few times, but they could easily have won that if a few decisions went their way. You know, I think yeah. they were the better side in that game, especially in the second half. Mm -hmm. Then, yeah, Obviously, the famous 5-0 drubbing as well uh, in the Cup, which famously knocked uh, Bayern out. I think the next round of the Cup is in 10 days' time or so as well. So, so. it'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens with that. And then, obviously, not only that, to follow it up with another 2-1 win in Munich as well. You know, it's just massive, yeah. And that obviously goes back to the record that, that Gladbach have over Bayern. They've taken more points off Bayern than any team, uh, I think, ever in the Bundesliga. It's just incredible. And then also, I think, how many at home? It, the, the record is mostly at home, but this was also the third win in 11 trips to Bayern, which is a lot better than what most teams get, yeah. you know. But at home, I think they've only lost one out of the last six as well against Bayern. So they do have a really good record against them. They love playing them. And, yeah, they showed it once again here, you know. Obviously, I think we've got to mention the team news in this one. This was quite controversial. The game went ahead. Yeah. And I know that quite a lot of Bayern Munich hierarchy, especially Nagel's man, were far from happy about the fact the game went ahead. Sven Ulreich as well was also really fuming too, which surprised me a little bit because he actually profited from the situation because obviously yeah. Manuel Neuer was one of the players to test positive for COVID. Therefore, uh, Ulreich, Ulreich did come into the game. But at the end of the game, he was going mad uh, to the media saying like it's a joke, it should have been cancelled and things, which surprises me a little bit. But mm -hmm. I guess that's what happens when you lose, you know. And yeah, obviously a few other key players missing as well. Um Kimi, uh, Coman as well, we're missing. Who are a few other names I've missed there, Rory? Yeah, I think that, well, Goretzka was injured anyway. Yeah. Um, Alfonso Davies, I think, tested positive during the week, but um, I can't remember if he actually played um, Davies or not. But yeah, so they're missing nine players, uh, first teamers through injury or COVID, basically. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was tough for them. Um, I think they ended up fielding the their youngest ever player. Uh, yes, they did. Yeah. Um, a young player who just turned just turned sixteen. I forget his name now, um, so I must um, search it. It out. was Paul Vanner. Paul Vanner. Vanner, yeah. that's the one. Yeah, he was only He looked quite good as well when he came yeah. on, didn't he? Like, yeah, he had yeah, a few dribbles, what. obviously. Yeah. yeah. But by yeah. then, it was already kind of too late because the game, obviously, I think the, the key uh, players that don't usually start to start were obviously Tillman on the wing, you know, yeah. obviously. Uh, yeah, and then obviously Mark Rocker, who, to be honest, every time they play, he plays, they seem to lose, to be honest. Yeah. He's <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't have a good record. I'm pretty sure he started when they lost to Augsburg, the last game they lost as well. And yeah, I think possibly. maybe even against Frankfurt. He doesn't start many games, that's for sure, the no. central midfielder. But he, you know, it doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, if there's, a, if there's a word for bogey player, then, you know, maybe Mark Rocker is the player well, by, by the look of it, you know. <laughs> Although he probably won't thank me for saying that. But yeah. 
I mean, yeah, Lewandowski with a really, really good goal, actually. The, the game started absolutely fine. The, the big man started. Usually, uh, if they have Lewandowski, they don't have any problems. And he smashed them a really stylish goal, actually, on the turn. Smashed it past uh, Sommer. But then, I mean, kind of out of the blue, really, the game just turned on its head, didn't it, Rory? Yeah, massively. Um, so only about 10 minutes later after Lewandowski's really good goal, um, a bit of uh, probably buy-in from last season, some poor defending really, which has been for the main kind of beaten out of them by Nagelsmann. But yeah, poor clearance, which which led perfectly for Florian Neuhaus to volley in a chance from 10 yards out um, and, and went under the keeper all right um, to make that 1-1. And uh, and then the the comeback was completed uh, again soon after from a very basic source from a corner, Maluka um, Nets corner flicked or kind of redirected by a liner um, to make it two one again. You know, too much pace to beat the second choice keeper Ulrich in net, so that's two one. And yeah, the game all of a sudden is is on his head um, again. I think the sub, uh, the second choice keeper Ulrich was called into action. Uh, to stop Mbolo from scoring. Um, and then, you know, obviously Bayern are, are chasing uh, the game, which is obviously a position they're not very familiar with. And more, well, more often than not, if they are chasing in a game, they would obviously back themselves to come back and, you know, claim the points. And so the second half promised much after a very frenetic first half. Um, and I, I was basically sat on the M1 watching this game in my car because a massive crash happened and uh, I was I was stationary. Um, so it gave me an opportunity to, to watch some of this game. And yeah, it was, second half was very, as you would expect, lots of buying possession, trying to get forward. I think Lewandowski hit, um, hit the bar from a kind of a looping effort. Um, Sommer was tested by Muller and Musiala as well. So there, there was certainly lots of pressure being applied, but I thought Gladbach actually dealt with it really well. And if anything, it could have been 3 1 uh, as uh, Stindl played in Alison Plie right at the end. And he kind of fumbled around with it a little bit and didn't get a sh- well, his shot eventually was blocked. So that kind of sums up Plie in one for me, really. Really not a clinical striker in, in many regards. Um, if you want someone that you would pin, you've got to score this goal. Who would you choose? I don't think you would choose Alison Plie, um, unfortunately. But- <laughs> And he misses that, and that was that was really late on the game. So, thought thankfully for him, uh, Bayern weren't able to capitalise, and and the game finished, and it was a yet another win for Gladbach against Bayern. Yeah, like the the phrase. Let me find it again. <laughs> Angst Gegner. Yeah, completely applies uh, massively um, to Gladbach. Very very good start um, for you know for them in two thousand and twenty two. Can it be used as a bit of a catalyst for this team? They're such a strange bunch, aren't they? Gladbach, such a talented team, but they can't seem to get it right on a consistent enough basis. Um, It may well just be that it's probably owed to a a mid-table finish. Um, I I can't see them being involved in in a relegation battle, despite how close they were before this game or before this win. So... Very impressive stuff. Bayern, I think we'll just kind of consider it a bit of a blip. Uh, of course, many, many things went against them, uh, but they'll still be very disappointed not to have won, despite the fact they were missing X amount of players, I'm sure. Um, and obviously, it kind of opens up the title race a little bit, which is exciting, uh, which, of course, we'll refer to 
in our in our kind of number one game without trying to give it away massively. Um, so yeah, very good game of football. Uh, maybe the second half disappointed a little bit, but Gladbach knew what they had to do and they did it very well. Yeah, I mean, let's not take. Uh, I saw a lot of people in the German media were saying like, you know, that this win for Gladbach was mostly because Bayern was struck by COVID, and admittedly, they did only have thirteen professionals and they had to supplement the squad with eight youngsters as well as we said Vanner did may become the youngest ever buying player but yeah. I mean let's be honest he still had a lot of the big hitters didn't they you know Gnabry yeah. uh, Lewandowski um, sure. obviously um, Muller, uh, Muller yeah. as well and the, I mean it was a weaker side than normal but it was still a side that was good enough to win this game that's for sure and Gladbach played I think the most impressive thing for me was how they kind of held them out in the second half yeah. you know I think I mean, I wouldn't say it was easy for them, but they certainly weren't under like masses of pressure. I didn't think really. Apart, probably two, three ch half chances, I would say, was the best mm -hmm. Bayern created, and I think that is something for to move on for Adi Hooters' men, you know. And maybe they can salvage something from this season because the first half was an unmitigated disaster really for them, apart from probably the five 0 win over Bayern in the cup, you know. But yeah, definitely the right start, and let's see what they can do for the rest of the season. So. Let's move on to the, the game of the weekend and what a game it was. This was a classic Bundesliga game, wasn't it? Absolutely classic uh, Bundesliga. Um, yeah, obviously, going into the game, Dortmund, this is the game in hand. You know, they know that they've got to win to close that gap to six points, which was nine, obviously, going into the winter break. Yeah, I mean, obviously, early on, they looked pretty good. You know, Mounier forcing a really, really good save from Trapp, which kind of clipped the side of the post. It was saved yeah. by Trapp, and then he clipped the side of the post and then went wide. Mounier must have been thinking how that didn't go in, really. Yeah. You know, but was a good save. I think uh, Haaland also tested the goalkeeper early on. It was looking quite, you know, a good start. But you can watch, obviously, is a tricky game for Dortmund. I mean, uh, Frankfurt won six of the last seven games in the first half of the season, so they went into mm -hmm. this on very good form but then really from probably the, the first big chance really Frankfurt took the lead and it was that man Raphael Bore who mm -hmm. I mean he really is starting to look a player now I think we said in our predictions early on in the season Rory that it might take him 10 games or so to get going and that seems to be roughly what it did you know he ended up with only four lead goals in the first half of the season but I think three of them came in the last few games so yeah but he started this game well too like it was like a, a a cross coming in from the free kick again poorly defended by Dortmund then he it's quite a nice little finish really it's a striker's finish isn't it really from Bore yeah. he just kind of like gets his leg on it maybe Cobell could he have done a bit better you know he gets a yeah. big hand onto it it kind of clips the post but this time for unlike for Dortmund with the um Mounier outfit goes into the back of the net so it's 1-0 to Frankfurt and you're thinking you know typical Dortmund with their defence really and then it gets even worse as well it's a great ball in that classic Kostic uh, cross which is it's a beautiful thing to watch really isn't it with that left foot really when he kind of Crazy. skims it across the box it's poorly dealt with as well, actually, by Royce this time, which I don't know what he's doing in that position, really. But, yeah, he ends up, like, messing it up. And then it's that man, Bore, again, with another striker's finish, which is very, very, in my opinion, kind of um, positive looking ahead for Frankfurt because he's starting yeah. to get those kind of goals that he wasn't getting early in the yeah. season, was he? 
Then, yeah, so it's 2-0, a double from Rafael Bore. And then they even have a chance to, to make it 3-0 as well. It's another great ball across the front from Kostic, which is actually it's Endicker. I don't Again, I don't know why he's so far up the pitch at 2-0. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, you know, it's coming in very, very fast. And he does get a good connection with it and it smashes the post. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's literally like half an inch to the other side, it goes in, doesn't it? It's yeah. three nil at half time, but it wasn't quite to be. And then just pretty much the same thing happened at the other side just before half time, where Marlon misses an absolute sitter, doesn't he? I mean, yeah. it hits the post, but how does he miss that? You know, I yeah. mean, it should be 2 1 going into half time, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's 2 0 to Frankfurt, but then what a second half for Dortmund, Rory. Yeah, indeed, and, and well, we say great second half, probably just a great 20 minutes, really, because mm. up until that point, they were, you know, they were blowing and blowing and, and they couldn't knock down the Frankfurt wall, and if anything, Lindstrom should have added to mm. Frankfurt's lead as he, uh, I think he nutmegged Emre Chan yeah. and then <laughs> smashed his shot straight at Cobell, so, yeah, it could, it could have been, but yeah, on 70 minutes, um, the one time that Haaland was actually able to get the, the ball into feet and use his strength because up to that point, Hinterrega was just smashing into him time after time after time, being really, really aggressive. And, and that was working, generally speaking. It was frustrating Haaland. Uh, you could tell he, he almost looked disinterested for, for quite a while. But ball into feet, good run by uh, Thorgan Hazard. The sub ran off. Um, I think it was Timothy Chandler um, at the back, and then he gets played for on goal, very tidy finish, 2-1. Uh, so the comeback is on with 20 minutes to go. And again, like, again, it was getting late on, and uh, it was looking like it was not forthcoming. But um, a lovely ball in from Thomas Mounier, which, of course, is his speciality, a great crosser of the ball. Uh, and uh, English England's finest, Jude Bellingham, was up uh, for, for that cross, and a, a really good header, Powered it home, uh, past Trap, couldn't do anything. Trap had made a really good save, actually, not too long before that to keep it at 2-1. Couldn't do anything about Bellingham's header, so 2-2. Uh, you're thinking right from Frankfurt position, just take the point and you know like, that you can still be positive about it. And then again, ball into Haaland, kind of tease up um, his midfield uh, kind of partner in the shape of uh, Dahoud. And he whips in a lovely shot um, with the instep of, of his foot and, and it nestles in yeah, into the bottom corner, making it 3-2 uh, just before the 90th minute. And unfortunately, Frankfurt could not respond. Uh, they're out on their knees and, and Dortmund held on for a massive, massive win. Obviously, if we're looking at a title race with Bayern losing and, and then Dortmund getting that and cutting the gap to six points, it's still a lot, of course. And, you know, Dortmund's frailties at the back, it still seems like, an, you know, still seems like an awful lot. But, you know, we have to be positive about how they've responded. Great character. They do have a winning mentality, Dortmund, whatever you say about them defensively and how kind of, uh, you know, fragile they can be at times they do have this way of coming back in games and you always believe that they will do that um i just feel so sorry for frankfurt because up to 70 minutes their performance was superb looked like they were going into the top four and because the league is so condensed and so close and obviously the goals swung the wrong way for them they're now down in eighth but they're still only three points off fourth place freiburg and four points off third place so you know, it could have swung either way for them. They could have been looking at top four again, um, as they were for a long period of last season. 
But yeah, it's looking really good uh, from a Frankfurt point of view. If they keep up that level of performance, as you mentioned, Mark Rafa Bore looks uh, like a really dangerous player now. Cemented his kind of um, place as the main striker, really. Obviously, they signed Sam Lammers uh, on loan, I think, um, rather than a permanent signing. He hasn't looked up to the standard of Bundesliga level. So I think it's quite clear that Lammers is second choice to Bore right now. Kostic, of course, you know, key component to, to everything that Frankfurt do well offensively. Um, and he works hard going back the other way as well. So really, really key that he keeps up his good form. I thought Kamada was quite good. Uh, still haven't seen the best of him just yet, but maybe he's kind of working up ahead of steam um, for, you know, a really strong second half of the season. But amazing game of football, really good to watch. And, um, you know, it keeps the title race open and Dortmund will be... Absolutely buzzing, but my oh my, they've got defensive issues. Yeah, I think obviously also a special mention for Jesper Lindstrom as well. I think he he also came in as their kind of big uh, signing alongside Bore this summer. And he also struggled early doors, but he's been really... He actually won Young Player of the Month in the Bundesliga yeah. for December, yeah. which is, uh, you know, and he had a, another good performance here, especially, as you say, that little run he did when he nutmegged Chan. And then, OK, his finish work wasn't great, but still he was probably knackered by the time he got to it. <laughs> you know? yeah. But yeah, he's another player that's been really, really good the last five or six games so you know there's definitely a lot of positives to take from this for Frankfurt but yeah they'll be absolutely sick to be honest because they could have had the they had two big chances to make it 3-0 really you know and I think a 3-0 it's dead and buried because yeah, yeah. probably Dortmund players let their heads drop really a 3-0 don't they although as you say Dortmund do have that massive winning mentality and despite being an extremely poor defensive side I'm sorry Dortmund but they are yeah. It's uh, going forward, they're even better than, do you know what I mean? They're a brilliant attacking side and they've always got goals in them, that's for sure. Okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think we can quickly go over the, the talking point of the week. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. we talked a lot about teams at the top of the league this week, haven't we? I think pretty much every game is involving teams that are doing well. But, yeah, I mean, there is a few teams that are obviously not doing so well, and one of them is Wolfsburg. Yeah, I mean, obviously fourth place last year, absolutely brilliant under... Frankfurt's now manager Oliver Glasner and I mean it's just been the season has just been an absolute catastrophe hasn't it Rory it really has yeah it's been yeah it's been really 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 bad and so obviously we're kind of talking about whether Wolfsburg are you know on course for potentially a relegation this season and and you have to kind of look at everything that's gone before them so far this season so I'll kind of start from the top level and let's kind of look a little bit or talk about manager misfortune or just damn right stupid picks like van bomber was a bad was a bad fit to start with and they had a bit of momentum at the start of the season a couple of early wins winning games that they should have won uh, and then it all kind of unraveled the players kind of stopped playing for van bommel they didn't really look like they believed in what they were kind of being told to do uh their course form has dropped and, and, you know, they weren't really scoring goals. And then, of course, they decided to make a change, which is absolutely fair enough. And it usually gives you a bit of a bounce. And at that point, you really thought that someone experienced would, you know, come in and kind of steady the ship. But the, the next appointment of Florian Kofel, and I know we don't like to bash people on this show and, you know, it's not what we're about. But, you know, those two managerial decisions are... I mean, they're the baseline, surely, Mark, of why they're struggling so much because these two managers, you know, for a Wolfsburg team who are usually in around the top four, just aren't simply good enough. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just been a catastrophic decline for me because they still have the makings of a really good squad, let's be honest. I mean, but if you look at the some of the players, I mean, the likes of Lacroix, I mean, he, his form has just dropped off a cliff edge. I mean, we don't know whether he maybe wanted a move. You know, I think Dortmund were linked, maybe even yeah, some, yeah. like, I think maybe even PSG were even linked a little bit at some point. Yeah, he obviously had a brilliant season. I think he made pretty much everyone's team of the season last year, apart from the official Bundesliga guys. Yeah, but I think... Yeah, but I think he was brilliant last season, you know. And even the likes of Castiles was also brilliant. This year, he's just been not that great at all. As he's not been making those big saves. He's not commanding his defence. And I think since Kohlfeldt has come in, the, another problem has just been the massive rotation, like, every week, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I don't know what's going on. I think one thing I've got to be honest, I've got to defend both Van Bommel and uh, Kohlfeldt for is the fact that Zaver Schlager is still injured. Yeah. And he probably is their best player overall, really. He's the one that makes it tick. I think Rory made your team of the season probably rightly last season. Yeah, yeah. He was brilliant. He's a box-to-box midfielder. He can do the defensive work. He carries the ball forward. They have been missing him, I think, since he got injured at Hertha Berlin, which I think was the third game of the season or even the second game. Yeah. And they haven't looked the same since then. But, I mean, at the end of the day, they have got resources. They did bring in some good players as well, the likes of Frank. Yeah who hasn't done it at all. I just think, yeah, I mean, Waldschmidt has also been very, very poor, despite, like, he was seen as quite a coup for them to get him from Benfica. Yeah, yeah. But it's just been, probably, aside from the Nemecha brothers, I wouldn't say any of their summer signings have done well, really. Bernalv as well, they got him from Cologne for 10 million yeah, yeah. euros, I think. He's been poor. Like, a lot of, but as you say, it all stems for me, probably, there's probably two reasons. I would say the first one is Schlager, you know, because clearly he was more important than probably what we even initially thought. I would say. Yeah, massively. And the second thing is just the managers just aren't good enough, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. As you say, they didn't have the calibre to take on a squad of players with the ability that they do. Kohlfeldt, you can't reward failure with success at the end of the no. day. Yeah, and like Kohlfeldt should have been getting a, a job in the second league at the end of the day. Because after what he did with Werder Bremen at the time, they were the longest spending standing team in the Bundesliga, and he pretty much single-handedly got them relegated. Let's be honest, and you, you can't reward success with failure. Sorry, failure with success. Yeah, success and I mean, yeah. you know, this is a good job. Uh, Wolfsburg is probably in the top eight best jobs to get in the Bundesliga. You know, and well, for me, yeah. he was never good enough for that level. And what we saw from him at uh, Verde was not really, never really made me think, yeah, he's a top manager, you know, and what we've seen at uh, Wolfsburg has been a disaster really since he took over. Yeah, I mean, like, again, looking statistically at, at Wolfsburg, so, I mean, as you mentioned, Schlager massive, and the direct impact of that is that Wolfsburg have covered the least amount of ground in the Bundesliga out of all 18 teams, and you think about that box-to-box midfielder that they've lacked, Schlager probably makes up so much more ground for them because he does that job. So that, you know, that's a very interesting statistic looking at that alone. I think we've mentioned it a few times statistically as well. It adds up discipline. They've been really poor discipline-wise, getting lots of yellow cards. So the second um, second highest amount of uh, cards in the Bundesliga so far this season, we saw in the Champions League as well, silly red cards have uh, really kind of hindered them in, in big games. Um, so, yeah. Lack of goals, of course, you know, you know, relying on Veghorst uh, hasn't really been working. The match has come in and done well, so that's one positive, I guess. Um, so looking forward, um, other than a game that I think they're playing 30 in a couple of games' time, 
They then got a run of games against the likes of Hoffenheim, Frankfurt, Union Berlin. And if they don't make a change of, of manager or, or style of play or something, then teams below them are picking up points. I know I was disappointed to see my team, Stuttgart, not not beat Furt and, you know, go further up. But Bielefeld getting a good draw. I know that was basically because of two mistakes, actually, from Freiburg standing keeper. Um, but, you know, Bolkum, obviously beat them at the weekend. Hertha, you know, looking stronger at the moment. So, I mean, let's just answer the question straightforwardly. So, Mark, you know, let's look forward. Nice kind of tangible question. Will Wolfsburg be, well, will they be in the bottom three then by the end of the season? Yes or no? I'm still going to side with no, just because I think, um, I just think the quality will tell eventually. And I do think Kohlfeldt is on borrowed time, basically. I think if they don't get a win in the next two games, they'll sack him before the third game, I would imagine. And I think, I can't see him getting a win in either of those two games at the minute. So, yeah, I do see him going. And then hopefully this time they will bring in someone with a little bit more calibre, you know, or at least experience. So yeah. I think they'll just about stay up, but I would have them around about 12th to 14th, which is still a very poor season by their standards. Yeah, I mean, I agree, actually. I don't I don't think they will be relegated. It wouldn't surprise me if they are in around 15th, 16th by the end of the season and maybe have to get through a relegation playoff match. Who knows? But... I don't think they'll be directly relegated, but I mean, who knows the way they're going right now. So very interesting talking point for us to kind of go through there. Um, let's see how they respond next weekend. Um, so, right, over to you, Mark. Let, let's just close up another good show. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, if you enjoyed what you saw here on the, the Bundesliga uh, review show, yeah, remember to check out our, follow our Twitter at Over the Bar FB and, at over the bar extra we're also trying to get people to kind of uh we know we get a lot of people viewing on twitter yep. and also like we would be great if some of you guys could uh switch over to our youtube as well because first of all it's good for you guys because you can interact with us more as well because we do obviously with our live uh, comments as well it's great to hear what you guys think about some of the stuff we say as well we've not had a great number of comments tonight but often we do get really really good uh, live streaming there with a lot of people sharing their ideas but also because it also obviously helps us on the uh, um yeah the numbers and things like that and it helps us to put a bit more stuff out there for you guys so yeah if you could it'd be really helping us you know if you'd switch over from the twitter feed over to the youtube that would help us massively yeah. it's uh, and as you can see there if you're interested yeah it's the youtube.com slash uh, over the bar fb written in that way but yeah Good. And then also remember the over the bar stuff in general, otbfootball.net. That's like the centerpiece of our stuff. Like you can see everything. I think, Rory, you did an article a couple of, was it a week ago or so? Yeah, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, on, on what we can maybe expect from the second half of the season. Uh, and like yeah. I said, a very open race for fourth place and a very unpredictable relegation race, which I'm sure we will see. Yeah. And now a newly born title race as well, you know, after yes. this weekend for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's everything for, for this week. So yeah, I guess we'll see you guys again on Thursday when we'll do our prediction show. So look out for the uh, the time on that. It should be around about 8 p.m. UK time and 9 p.m. Central European time. So yeah, we look forward to seeing you then, guys. All the best. Bye-bye. Cheers, all.